0: Hello, I'm Paul Tyler and welcome to Spoiler, the show which reviews movies, books and TV shows in their entirety. This week we're watching the entire first series of Mackenzie Crook's comedy, Detectorists. And just another final warning, we will be talking about the whole of the plot, we will ruin it for you, so if you've not already seen Detectorists, go away and watch it now. Then come back to us afterwards. Have they gone? Right. On with the show. Over the last few years, conversations with friends and loved ones have indicated that there was something I was missing out on A hidden gem Something to be treasured Oh, you'll like that, Paul It's got that bloke you like in it Who? You know, him from The Office Ricky Gervais, I mean, he's okay No, 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 no The other one Martin Freeman, I mean, he's great A little overused lately, but No, 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 no The other one With the haircut Something about metal detectors You'd like it It's really, er... Subtle And so this went Plenty of recommendations as three series came and went on BBC 4. There always seemed like there was something more dynamic, something more challenging to watch. The latest American hit series, the latest messed up Scandi detective drama, a Netflix film that would be better with a bit of a bigger budget. Like they all are. Then there's Black Mirror and the end of the world. The list goes on, challenging, edgy TV, giving you something to post on your preferred social media about how you think it started well but went downhill after the second series don't they all? The world of box set TV can drag you into feeling you can now only watch programs that are always pushing boundaries until all the limits have been reached, every possible angle of a dystopian future and zombie apocalypse, or mythical beasts fighting humans and somehow the humans winning, there are realistic war scenes with limbs flying everywhere and superheroes that use category A swear words, or comedy designed to shock yours and everyone else's belief system, or, or, or all of these things at the same time. So maybe, just maybe, you need to pay a visit to the Danebury Metal Detecting Club,
1: DMDC, in the Scout Hall opposite the Two Brewers on the High Street. All oh, right. And what sort of thing happens there? Well, we compare finds, discuss the
2: hobby. Uh, sometimes you get a guest speaker in. This Tuesday, Terry, club president, is giving
3: a talk on buttons.
0: Written, directed, and starring Mackenzie Crook, Detectorists is based around the friendship of Andy and Lance played by the seemingly flawless Toby Jones. Will they find gold, or merely enhance their collection of buttons and ring while Simon and Garfunkel send them homeward bound?
3: Immature. Are you? No, you are.
0: Detectorists provided BBC4 with their biggest ever audience for a comedy series, and the critics all loved it. Ellen E. Jones, writing for The Independent, suggested the show requires some patience, but it turned out to be one of the best new sitcoms of the year. That noise means it's time to get our trails out and dig down to see if the spoiler team had the patience for this subtle comedy or did it just not have enough poo gags. It's
1: a hobby, that's all. Men have hobbies and women don't understand them. It's the way it's always been.
0: Later in the show, we'll be taking a look at some of TV's more experimental sitcoms. But first, joining me for a walk through the fields of Danebury are the extremely subtle Andy Goulding and the extraordinarily patient Rachel Burnett. <laughs> Hello. 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 So, Andy, did you watch this straight away when it was broadcast or did we watch it just for spoiler? Do you think?
2: Uh, I actually watched it before it was broadcast. I got it as, what? A, as a screener. What? what, 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 a, what? a screener <laughs> to review for website I write. Oh. So uh, it, it just came up on my emails and... I thought, oh, it's got Mackenzie Crook in. I'll give it a go. So I got it, and I watched it all through before it it had gone out.
0: Right, I'm going to stop you there. Just one second. Sorry, Andy. uh, We will come back to this. We've got plenty of time. How do you feel about that, Rachel? Because I feel, somehow, I just feel, there's no reason why I should feel put out. I'm really pleased. (laughs) I'm really, you know, as a friend, I'm really, really pleased with it. Great, well done.
3: I feel really (laughs) offended. Something's not... No, that's not right. He, he's it right before us, before anyone.
0: <laughs> I know you folded your arms. I'm about ah. to. Right, OK. In the, in now you've got a lovely, caring atmosphere, Andy. Sorry, sorry. <laughs> Do carry on. Where, 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 where,
2: where are you? Well, recently, did the third series of this aired. I got that in advance. <laughs> <laughs> and the second one. But, uh, <laughs> but it aired around November time, so I, I got it around October. And uh, at the time I had a terrible stinking cold and I huddled up under a duvet, it was freezing outside and I got a lem sip and I, I put it on and that Johnny Flynn soundtrack kicked in and we got those beautiful nature shots of mm. butterflies in sunny fields and I just completely relaxed. And for the first time in my life, I thought, I'm almost glad that I've got a cold <laughs> because it, it just felt so perfect. I absolutely adore this series. I think it's reclaimed good storytelling for the British sitcom. And it's also reinstated a feel-good factor that's become deeply unfashionable. Uh, For a long time, the in thing where sitcoms are concerned was to be really kind of cynical and dark and sometimes quite nasty. And certain sitcoms, like Alan Partridge or The Office, did it well and balanced it with a kind of humanism. But for every, every one that was done well, there was a handful of weak imitations that were just tiresomely... Nihilistic and alienatingly cold, and I think detectress feels like a turning point in that it it tells a compelling, funny, engaging story without feeling the need to absolutely put its characters through the ringer of humiliation and degradation, and without having to have characters who just spew unpc diatribes in lieu of like more considered dialogue and humour. And without rejecting the real life emotional responses and connections that imbue these characters with believability and real human appeal. So I absolutely love it. This was my choice. And uh, normally when we, we come up with choices, sometimes I pick things I think, oh, it'll make a good show. This was one of those ones that I picked it because I just really want to share it with my friends. So
0: I'm really interested to hear what everyone has to think about. Yeah, well I mean, well, well done. I'll get sorry, Rachel, I'll get to you in a minute.
3: Well- <laughs> Chomping at the bit. No,
0: well, well, <laughs> no, well, I mean, well done on that because, it, as, as I said in the introduction, it was a case of oh, these things are going to linger around, linger around, and you know what I'm like with recommendations. As soon as someone says oh, you've got to watch this, and I'm like, oh, well, I'll put that to the back of the queue then. Um, <laughs> but obviously, doing it for spoiler meant that we sat down and we watched it. Rachel, are I... you are you a metal detector?
3: Oh, I really <laughs> want to be. <laughs> I want to be a metal detectorist. Um, it, no, I I am so grateful Andy that you recommended this and I, I don't care what your reasons are I'm just so glad that you said watch this and forced me to because I had actually watched the first maybe even the first two episodes before and I misjudged it I thought it was going away that I didn't want it to go and I thought I don't want to see that happen so I'm going to stop watching it but you forced me to watch the whole thing as a complete thing and Mm. I'm so glad you did because I absolutely and I think adore is the right word it's a completely adorable thing it's warm and it's comfortable and it's beautiful and it's funny and it's acerbic and it's real and it's just so wonderful Um, and you're right as soon as that first bit starts that Johnny Flynn and those lovely shots of the English countryside especially the first two or three episodes where it's sunny and you just think you feel pride at your country a little bit as well. Oh, it's so beautiful. And um, it makes you want to get outside and and you're inside watching TV, but you want to get outside (laughs) and, and do some metal detecting. And it's just lovely. It's absolutely lovely. But the reason that I stopped watching it was when it started to look like it was going towards him being, um, or having a fling with Sophie. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And
3: I thought, why, why would he do this? Because the relationship between him and his wife is so beautiful and so solid and so funny. And so authentic that I thought, he wouldn't do that. But it looked like looked like it was going that way. But I'm not watching this. And I got really... Rid- <laughs> <laughs> and so I didn't. And if I just carried on. See, I did what she did. I just jumped to a judgment and didn't actually look at what was really happening. And so I'm so glad. Thank you for <laughs> recommending it. Because I've watched pleased. all of it now. I'm I've watched all pleased. the series.
0: But I mean, I think this is probably jumping ahead quite a bit. But I think it's, it's, it's important to bring it up as you did now. Uh, what was it? There were photos of those two, weren't they? And weren't yeah. They like, it takes, I don't know. I mean, you're right. Their, their relationship must be so strong yeah. because I don't think many no. relationships would have lasted no. that kind of event in it. I, do, I just, you know, I just, I just don't, but she's a very forgiving woman, isn't she? <laughs>
3: she is. But then she's also, there is trust and honesty, which you do get from the first episode, which is why when it started to look like it was leading another way, I thought, no, hang on, because you've built this relationship where they're sort of bantering and stuff. And she's so funny. And they really get each other that i thought well, why is this happening so it makes sense when it comes to it where she actually does believe him because they know each other so well mm. but i think as an opening episode now i've watched it knowing what's going to come i think the first episode is just incredible it's setting out loads of character traits where it's going to go what metal detecting is all about everybody's in that first episode you know larry bishop's and everything's in that first episode and it should and it did make you want to carry on. It was the second episode that made, made me get all cross and um, <laughs> because I didn't like Sophie immediately. I was like, I don't like you. So, you know, I was I was just put off. But I I persevered in the end and I'm glad I did. But I I just think it's so beautifully crafted.
0: It is now I've made a note and I, what I wanted to do is try and lean lean away from us talk, having a conversation about about the office. But there are there are cutaways in this and I I seem to remember in the office there were cutaways to photocopies and things like that and the scene would you call them a scene break I don't know if I'm to trying to be over technical but the cutaways, scene breaks whatever they are just occasionally like you say rachel of the british countryside mm. and you just think oh that it just seemed a bit like that was that a similar bit of direction which mm. there's, there's no there's no fault in there's no because that was really that's really good direction mm. and i just and sometimes when you just look it's funny when i was looking at a tree or a bee on a flower i was thinking oh photocopy
2: yeah. <laughs> um, it's uh, it's, a, it's the same technique but it has the complete opposite effect because in the, in the office You'd see photocopies, and it'd be like claustrophobia and and that kind of buildup of paperwork and in the indoors. Whereas these these cutaways to the wildlife opens it up and gives you that sense of being outdoors and that lovely environment, doesn't it? I think mm. it
3: also slows it down. I think this, you're right about subtlety, but there's also something about pace, mm-hmm. and it it does it's very slow, and I love that it is because metal detecting is really slow, yeah. and you need some patience, and then you will find your gold if you're just patient. And you can appreciate the beauty, although they don't when the red arrows go over and they're like, "What," <laughs> <laughs> which I love. But I, I just think it's it's great in its pacing. I've never watched anything that's quite that slow moving, but those beautiful, whatever they are, scene breaks, they are lovely and just make you go <sighs> on to the next bit. <laughs> mm.
0: But of course, it's not, it's not the only relationship that Andy has. He also has a very close mm. relationship with Lance, uh, obviously played, as, as, as we said earlier, uh, by Toby Jones was just... It couldn't be more perfect, could it? It <laughs> couldn't be. Um, oh, it's, it's just unbelievable. But their relationship is, is, is so good because there's one point where uh, Becky is uh, is his partner's name. And... They're having a conversation like that, and he's. It he, he cuts from their relationship and then back to them in the field, where he's talking about what motorbike he would have in a, in a midlife in his midlife crisis, like he even thought about that. And then straight away it cuts to them in the field. And he goes, "Yeah, well, of course, of course, I thought it was a triumph, you know." he cut straight to it, and that was it. I it was one of the occasions where I just had to I had to stop it because I was laughing so hard. He's <laughs> like, "Exactly, this is this is exactly it because you know I, you have those similar convers- <laughs> similar conversations, and uh, yeah, yeah, it's just it's absolutely." on the nose. Okay, so we're we're in we're in danger of it being a a, a loving. <laughs> is there any danger of that though? Come on, we all need a bit of positivity, don't yeah. we? This is great. Yeah, I
3: I don't want to drag it down just for the sake of it. No. <laughs> you know, and I would be. I mean, there was that thing about me being yeah. only watching two episodes and you could say that was a flaw because if I hadn't have been forced to watch it, I may never have watched it. Was there a little bit of an issue there? Maybe they should have made it more clear that that wasn't going to happen. But then you need that little bit of peril. But I can't handle that kind of infidelity in a relationship that seems to be working. It really upset me. And I really like Rachel Sterling. <laughs> so why on earth would he ever have a fling outside of that? Obviously, <laughs> we got past that first and second episode and then we realised, oh, it's OK, he's just an idiot. Mm. So, daft, yeah. And is just Daft is a phrase that, that, yeah. that comes to mind. Yeah, yeah exactly. totally. And men
0: are daft. Yeah. Yeah, because yeah. he doesn't really oh, yeah. actively pursue it, no, does he? No, but he, he doesn't—he doesn't, he, he, doesn't put her off. He like
2: does, yeah, there's a few kind of little moments where he doesn't lie, but he doesn't—he yeah. doesn't say anything. When she asks if he's married, he just says, "No, I'm not married." Mm-hmm. Yeah, he doesn't say anything. And and when she kisses him, he doesn't like go for it, but he yeah. doesn't push her away yeah. either, which is really what he should have done. Yeah. Uh, but I think he's—he's he's played with that kind of he's almost a bit kind of dopey isn't he he's kind yeah. of uh...
3: I'm not even sure he's entirely like seeing it sometimes as yeah. well
2: yeah.
3: like when Becky I keep want to call her Rachel when <laughs> Becky when yeah. Becky comes into the pub and they've got their hands <laughs> on, on each other and he's a little while before he takes his hand away Yeah. because he doesn't think there's anything wrong in it because it hasn't really entered his head oh, I'm in a pub with someone else that's not my wife and she's got a hand on yeah. my hand I mean initially you would have thought well as soon as she put her hand on yours to say oh well done Leave it a couple of seconds and then take it away. But he didn't because he just doesn't think that way. I don't know. I'm very forgiving of him now, <laughs> which I wasn't before, but I am now.
0: Yeah, they managed to turn it around like that. So it, I think in a little while we'll, we'll come to the rest of the cast and we'll definitely get to Diana rig. Oh, yes. Now, the term sitcom covers an enormous range of styles and types of show. But some series are undoubtedly more willing to push the boundaries of the genre than others. Andy has been taking a look at some of TV's more experimental sitcoms. By the time Mackenzie Crook's Detectorists emerged in 2014,
2: the sitcom had reached something of a strange place. The most popular programmes in the medium seem to be backwards looking raucously enthusiastic but emotionally unengaging melees of slapstick and one-liners such as Miranda not going out and Mrs Brown's boys. (laughs) By comparison, the gentle warmth and strong storytelling of Detectorists seemed almost experimental. Experimentalism is probably not the first term that comes to mind when you hear the word sitcom. Depending on what era you grew up in, the word probably evokes either the enduring, if occasionally dated, British classics of the 70s and 80s, like Porridge and Only Fools and Horses, or the slick, sassy American hits of the 90s like Friends and Frasier. None of these series seem particularly experimental on the face of it, And yet look closer, and you'll find episodes that subtly play with the accepted form, structure, and language of sitcoms as we know it. While lesser examples of the genre are happy to conform to expectations and subsequently stagnate, the best sitcoms are always looking for new ways to surprise the audience and get laughs. Chances are, if the writers can keep it entertaining for themselves, the show will remain entertaining for the
0: viewers too. Philip Morris, America's Most Enjoyable Cigarette, presents... I
2: love Lucy. Sitcom experiments might sound like a modern phenomenon, but actually the best writers have been playing with conventions almost since the birth of the genre. The language of the TV sitcom had barely been established when I Love Lucy debuted in 1951, and this charming slice of 50s family life is frequently mischaracterized as a quaint artifact of a bygone era. Following the exploits of Lucy Ricardo, she balances her domestic life with her regularly thwarted bids for stardom. I Love Lucy usually utilised the time-honoured device of farcical misunderstanding, as Lucy embroiled her husband Ricky and her best friends Fred and Ethel in her doomed hair-brained schemes. It's clear when watching I Love Lucy that the show's trump card is the fantastic Lucy or Bull, whose performance significantly overshadows the efforts of her co-stars. The writers were shrewd enough to realise this, and, with the classic episode, Lucy Does the TV Commercial, created a script in which the entire second act is practically a solo performance.
1: Now let's try it once, and remember, be bright and vivacious. Yes, sir. All right. More the premise
2: places the Lucy list, in front of a TV camera to rehearse a part in a commercial for the health tonic right. Vitameter Vegumin.
1: Hello, friends. I'm your Vitameter Vegumin girl.
2: Prompted by a director, down, down, down. she recites the lengthy pitch boom, over and over out. again. <laughs> <laughs>
1: a tablespoonful after every meal. Uh, now you take some. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> it's so tasty too.
2: Periodically taking a spoonful of the tonic to prove how tasty it is.
1: Now I'd like to do it once more this time from it's so tasty too. It's so tasty too. That's right.
2: What no one mentions however is that Vitamita Vegemine has 23% alcohol people. content. You get a
1: great big bottle of Mita, Midjamin!
2: And the more Lucy rehearses her role, the drunker she gets. So,
1: everybody get a bottle of this
2: stuff. Lucy does the TV commercial, is unusual in that it removes all the series' of the main characters from the action for over half the runtime. But it is also remarkable for how its humour derives from sheer repetition. We hear the Vitameter Benjamin pitch over and over again, with tiny little variations each time, as Lucy goes from sober, to tipsy, to stinking drunk.
1: Remember that name! Mind about a meaty
2: Ball's performance is exquisite, as she instinctively taps into the rhythms of the dialogue, creating something that becomes like the comedic version of a chant. The episode certainly casts a spell on audiences, many of whom wrote into the network to demand a repeat run, which, a few weeks down the line, they were duly given. That repetition thing is addictive. Created and co-written by the legendary Carl Reiner, The Dick Van Dyke Show is another series that is often retrospectively viewed as quaint, but was, in fact, an originally important stepping stone in the evolution of sitcom. Based on Reiner's own career, focus on the home and work life of Rob Petrie, a writer for a comedy variety show. This angle allowed the Dick Van Dyke Show to introduce some snippets of classic vaudeville-style comedy into the sitcom framework. Although workplace and family sitcoms were not a new thing, the Dick Van Dyke Show was rightly credited with bringing new sophistication to the medium, with sharp and unpredictable scripts adding a new dimension to the warm and comforting familiarity of the concept. Midway through its first season, The Dick Van Dyke Show unveiled a deconstructionist masterpiece called The Curious Thing About Women, an episode whose groundbreaking structure actually shows as an approximation of the episode itself being written, before presenting the very events discussed
0: by the fictional writers. Must be kind of disappointed, I only got two letters this morning.
1: No, there were a couple of others.
0: Well, I don't like to be nosy, honey, but where are they?
1: I threw them away.
2: (laughs) You, You threw them away? The episode begins with Rob and his wife Laura arguing because Laura has opened and read Rob's mail.
1: Honey, are you upset because I opened your mail? No, honey, I'm not upset because you opened my mail. I'm upset because you read it before I did. Oh, Rob, that's silly. Silly? I feel silly I wasted all those years learning how to
2: read. Rob then goes to work, where he suggests using this argument as the basis for a comedy sketch in which, after having the same argument... The wife in the sketch takes delivery of a large interesting parcel addressed to her husband. Unable to resist having a peek, the wife discovers that the parcel is an inflatable dinghy which inflates to full size.
0: Look, it's a boat and it's inflating right in the closet. It's it's inflating. (laughs) 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 Laura,
1: you're a
0: scream!
1: (laughs) I never had one of those boats. I told you both a dozen times that ridiculous girl on television is not me. She's a... (laughs) Of my husband's imagination.
2: <laughs> when the sketch appears on TV, Laura is furious at Rob for having her look like a wild-eyed maniac. But then the rest of the episode plays out by recreating the events of the sketch in real life.
1: <laughs> Honey, I'm home.
2: One of the biggest mistakes a Jake teller can make is preempting the punchline during the setup but the curious thing about women does this deliberately, and in the process, enhances the joke considerably by basing the whole concept around the build-up to, rather than the execution of, the climactic sight gag. Somehow giving away the secret in the second scene makes the whole thing even funnier in its deliberate inevitability.
1: (laughs) Honey, did a package come for me?
2: Debuting in 1972 off the back of Robert Altman's popular film of the same name, the sitcom M.A.S.H. was set in a Mobile Army Surgical Hospital in South Korea during the Korean War. While this sounds like an unusual concept for a sitcom, the early years of M.A.S.H. relied on broad farce as much as the next comedy. But as the series hit its stride, the writing began to mature, with the dramatic undertones of earlier episodes starting to vie for prominence with the comedy. As MASH became more emotionally engaging, so its writers grew more ambitious with the storylines they attempted. More than any other sitcom of its era, MASH began to experiment with bold conceptual gambits. The episode Hawkeye followed in I Love Lucy's footsteps by throwing the spotlight entirely on one character, this time for the entire runtime, as Hawkeye Pierce sustains a life-threatening head wound and well awaiting the arrival of urgent medical assistance, ...has to spend the whole episode talking non-stop to a Korean family you cannot understand him... ...in order to avoid succumbing to potentially fatal slumber.
0: I'm a doctor. You know? Doctor? How can I make you understand doctor? Maybe if I sent you a bill. Or an old magazine.
2: The episode Point of View was shot entirely from the perspective of a soldier with a throat wound with viewers seeing through the eyes of the ailing soldier using POV shots similar to those that would be used prominently in Channel 4's sitcom Peep Show decades later. In Lifetime, a wounded soldier arrives at the camp with a lacerated aorta, and the doctors have 20 minutes to perform an arterial graft before he risks paralysis forever. The episode plays out in real time, with a clock in the bottom corner of the screen counting down the seconds.
3: Kelly, time. It's 2.55 in 25 seconds.
0: We're three and a half minutes over, damn it! Maybe the hypothermia bought us some time. Yeah, on the other hand, maybe it didn't. Hawkeye saved his life. Yeah, well, I guess that's something. It's more than something, it's everything.
2: Follies of the Living, Concerns of the Dead follows the ghost of a recently deceased soldier as he wanders around the camp Seen only by Corporal Klinger, who, due to a high fever and fits of delirium, is able to communicate with the spirit. And in one of the most discussed episodes of the series, Dreams, we are given a window into the disturbing surrealist visions and Freudian nightmares of each of the doctors in turn as they take naps on a rotational basis.
0: A little shut eye would go down great right about now. You can say that again, even my teeth are dozing off compared to the way I feel. Rip Van Winkle was an insomniac. <laughs> well, good night, folks. If you need me, I'll be unconscious.
2: MASH remains a highly regarded series because of its funny scripts, excellent performances, and deft tonal balance act, but its insistent ambition and innovation within the parameters of the genre are what make it, for many, myself included, one of the finest sitcoms of all time. And now let's shake
0: some action here on two with a new programme for young adults. Once in every lifetime!
2: While occasional innovation within otherwise conventional sitcoms is admirable, it takes something more cataclysmic to bring about a long-term change in the media. Created by Rick Mayall, Lisa Mayer and Ben Elton, The Young Ones was the first sitcom to star the figureheads of the alternative comedy scene. A reaction against the racist, sexist and homophobic approximation of comedy that dominated British TV in the 70s. Alternative comedy gained popularity in the early 80s through live performances at Soho's Comedy Store by such luminaries as Ade Edmondson, Rick Mayall, Nigel Planer, Dawn French and Jennifer Saunders.
1: Good evening, Dangerous brothers. Brothers. My is Richard Dangerous. But this is dangerous, <laughs> dangerous. they very much dangerous. I just do
2: agree. The Young Ones moulded their trailblazing style into something akin to a recognisable sitcom format, with a recurring cast of characters, main set and studio audience, focusing on a group of no hoper teenage students sharing a squalid plan, The Young Ones was immediately seized upon by the younger generation as a TV show finally aimed at them.
0: It's now that
2: I want to watch! Although recognisably a sitcom of sorts, The Young Ones woefully rejected plot in favour of a loose theme on which to hang anarchic antics, including violent slapsticks, surreal puppetry, Don't look at me. I'm irrelevant. jarring cameos, Hello. let me introduce myself. I am God. live music performances, Lengthy and related tendons. Narrative structures were completely subverted, and if the plot was unresolved after 35 minutes, no one gave a damn. Best illustrated in the ending of the episode Time.
0: Oh no! The whole has has been surrounded by angry medieval peasants! And well, they think they're witches and they're gonna burn us! So completely trapped! The outlook is bleak! Oh, what are we
1: gonna do? What are we gonna do? Oh, who cares?
2: <laughs> Meanwhile, in the famous episode Bambi, when the plot runs out of steam, the cast is simply crushed by an enormous chocolate eclair. <laughs> this approach could have seemed lazy and lesser hands, but the young ones were so utterly different from anything else around at the time, and the effect was refreshing rather than frustrating. The No Rules abandoned provided an alternative to the coziness of the good life.
1: No! 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 no, no not watching the bloody good life! Bloody bloody!
2: The impact of the young ones on sitcom cannot be underestimated, but recapturing lightning in a bottle is nigh on impossible. Elton and Males' follow-up series Filthy Rich and Catflap attempted to continue the innovations of its predecessor, but its similarities saw fickle audiences reject it as a retread rather than a progression, consigning the series to half-forgotten cult status. More successful was Male and Edmondson's 90s sitcom, Bottom, which saw them playing similar roles to those they had played in Filthy Rich and Catflap, but in a more realistic setting. Removing the fourth wall breaking and self-referencing, Bottom channelled the energy of its predecessors into a more realistic, if no less squalid world.
0: What on earth are you eating? (laughs) Lard. (laughs) You are eating lard. Yeah, I'm hungry, but I'm too drunk to
2: cook. <laughs> but the influence of the young ones was clear in Bottom's third series, when the duo began to introduce slightly more surreal aspects, like the intrusion of a giant hand of God at the end of one episode, or a fully costumed dancing girl stepping out of a fridge in another. The young ones' influence was not evident in how these insertions wowed audiences, however, but in how they barely battered an eyelid. Such fantastical diversions had evidently been subsumed into the language of sitcom and this was demonstrable in how bonkers transgressions of later shows like Father Ted and Black Books were seen not as innovations but as extensions of the new tradition. With Surrealism becoming the norm, it naturally followed that a backward step towards the traditional formats of old would eventually seem like a brave and unusual step to take. While this has arguably resulted in a less than exciting era for TV comedy, the spirit of innovation can still be glimpsed even in some of these series. Anyone who spent a laugh-free half-hour with Mrs. Brown's boys may be loath to admit it, but in its unusual move of leaving the bloopers made by cast members in finished episodes, even this most derided of sitcoms boasts a small, encouraging glimmer of invention.
0: Thanks for that, Andy. Now I think you're 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 right on the experimental field uh, of detectives, but I'm going to pick you up.
1: Oh, okay.
0: I know. <laughs> I'm going to pick you up on Miranda not going out. This is Brown's point. I mean, I like two of those. I mean, simply, I mean, simply just because it's it's playing for laughs, which I think for me is, is comedy of, of of instinct. And there's a definite balance there. I mean, I think we all met and bonded over. We're well, not met over Stuart Lee, but I think. One of the things that brought us all together, we've all been seeing Stuart yeah. Live, right? We've seen him, yeah. Uh, yeah. our producer, obviously, as well, Johnny. Uh, we're, so we're all big fans of that comedy that makes you think, pushes yourself, um, and, and certainly leans one way. But I'm also willing to, you know, sit down on a Saturday night and almost mess myself laughing at Michael <laughs> McIntyre's stupid road show, or, you know, or, or big show, or whatever he calls it. You know, it's, it's just, I understand he's not the, of the same of the same thing, but... It's all round, it's there, and just that like natural, sometimes natural laughter.
2: No, I absolutely. Mm-hmm. I absolutely agree with you that it's... Uh, I mean, the, those those three that I listed there, I'm, I'm not keen on, but I like that they exist and they need to exist mm. for the alternative to have that appeal. Mm. If everything was, was like detectorists, the then that would become tiresome.
0: Mm-hmm. But also, as you mentioned... Rick Mayle, I mean, got, I, this, here we go. I must point the audience towards Rick Mayle's speech as he receives his honorary doctorate. Detectorate? Do,
3: <laughs> <laughs> I think mean, you should leave it as a doctorate. <laughs>
0: Perfect. So, when he gets his honorary doctorate from <laughs> Exeter University on YouTube, now you've got to look this up. Uh, it's going to inspire you because, as well as hearing how he defines equality, opportunity, wisdom, freedom, and love better than any poet, living or dead, it's the point where he says, You'll be all right.
1: Mm.
0: And that's enough, it's just enough um, and I'm also going to say if you're ever down near Hammersmith, go and see uh, the, the the shrine on the bench uh, which, which is there still loads of pictures up and big dirty pants sort of, hanging over the, <laughs> over the thing, just in this island where uh, oh, it's this, this, the beginning of uh, of bottom uh, where, where, where they film that and it's it's just <laughs> fantastic so if you ever if you ever happen to be near Hammersmith or even near London. Go to Hammersmith, uh, <laughs> see it, and pay tribute. But uh, yeah, yeah, go. Type in YouTube, to University, and probably more doctorate than de doctorate.
1: Although
3: <laughs> well, that, uh, that should be a thing. <laughs>
0: um, so we're definitely going to get around to Diana Rig. We always will. But I'm going to bring in uh, now. There's a subject. i the seven series we're in. Six oh. episodes per series, specials, all the time when we meet in the pub, I always want to do Horrible Histories, no one ever else goes for it, <laughs> but here I get a chance to talk about it because Simon Farnaby, the brilliant Simon Farnaby, who, uh, to my fellow Horrible Histories fans out there in uh, spoiler land, hello, stupid death, <laughs> stupid, death. <laughs> stupid death, so next yes. time it's not you right? <laughs> he's in, and he's, he, just, he, he does crop up here, there and everywhere, and he's such a distinctive character, distinctive voice, distinctive look. But he's he's also, I think, very versatile. In that distinction, you can always say, oh, that's that, that guy. <laughs> Stupid desk guy. <laughs> um, it was just, again, it's, it's brilliant. I, I was really, really pleased to see him in it. I was pleased to see how his character grows through it, just about. Um, but, yeah, it was it was really, really good. But some of the other characters, I mean, I, you agree with that, right? They're, oh, yeah. Both of them are great. But the other characters, uh, we have... Uh, is Vardy who never says any, yeah. anything yeah. Oh. but
3: apparently she's really talkative yeah. <laughs> apparently
0: yeah. I mean in later series we're, I know, if we come, can we spoil later series we can't can we because we said no, we're talking about you know, series no no well. we better stick with
2: series oh, one strict is <laughs> mm.
0: yeah, boundaries I, boundaries
2: I, speaking of Vardy I love that that Louise and Vardy relationship and it's I think this is part of like a really encouraging thing we're seeing now which is sitcoms are getting more progressive mm. and those kind of Jokes about like sexuality and things are dropping out of it because Louis and Vard are a couple, and we watch the first series, and we know they're a couple, but it 's never mentioned at all. No one says anything about it It uh, just is yeah, it just is, and no one and no one questions it. I think if this series had been done maybe about ten years ago and written sort of by a less adept writer, they would have been. A character in there who either like asks them inappropriate questions or had like an unhealthy obsession with their relationship or something. For easy laughs like that, but it's not. They're just completely accepted, and I think that reflects how the world is going. Mm-hmm. And. It's lovely to see that with the, with our sitcoms we we take from them as well as as give into them. So,
0: yeah, I mean even even Russell, who I, I think would be the character that if was going to have that traitiness, yeah. with that that sometimes I mean I, I was about to say the word snidey. I don't think he is snidey. He's lighter than snidey, isn't he? He's <laughs> yeah. wry. There he is, mm, he's yeah. rye. You know, with that rhinest, rye.
1: Yeah.
0: <laughs> right <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying to find another word other than rye, but no, prime, rye's rye. No, rye's great. Go it. Yes, enough. It's a small word, but it's effective. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, he would be the character that, you, if you wanted to, could do that. Yeah. But they don't do it, and you're right. The, the fact that they don't do it means so much more. Mm. I also love
2: Sheila and Terry. I love Sheila. I think they're the heart of the yeah. series for me. Yeah. They love each other, and it's not, it's never undercut in any way, it's never questioned. And just in like the looks they they do to each other, and and uh, that's a lovely line in the second. So I don't think it's giving anything away. Okay. It's about uh, they're they're going to go to the Lindy Hop on, oh, yes. on a night when there's a, a detectorist thing going on, and Lance says to Terry, uh, oh, "I see. So dancing is more important than metal detecting, is it?" And he says, "No, but Sheila is." Aww. And it's not it's not a joke or anything. No. It's just a really yeah. it's a it's a lovely moment mm. and. Giving that to those characters and 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 never undercutting it at all—it's just it's beautiful to have that in there.
3: I totally agree. I've put about Sheila and Terry in my in my notes how committed they are to each other, and the fact that she always goes with him to the to the metal detecting club, and that he goes with her dancing. Lots of different dancing: tango, tap dancing is mention, mentioned, flamenco dancing is mentioned, and I can imagine that's probably not his natural thing. But they want to do things with each other. Oh, yeah. Oh, they're so lovely. <laughs> He'll even drink her lemonade. <laughs> which just looks like the most vile thing ever. <laughs> and there's a great eye-popping thing from McKenzie, which is just great.
0: <laughs> and uh, Terry's character, again, I mean, we, we talk about that word subtle. We, we, it's, he's officious, but not over the top. Mm. Because yeah. he needs to be, because he's in charge. But. it's it's not too far again which wouldn't it wouldn't have suited this would it i mean that this must be a natural writing style for mackenzie crook must not it rather you know i don't think he has to i I wonder you know i mean it'd be a good question if 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 if, if we could (laughs) get him on the phone johnny (laughs) (laughs) um where you know and wonder and say right do you have to put these boundaries in or is that just it naturally where you say right yeah actually these 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 are the characters
3: yeah i don't think he overwrites i think you know like you say it could be very easy for russell to be a little bit too questioning about or too snide it could go from right to snide mm. or you know terry could be just too officious and too inhuman and sheila could be completely ditzy and crazy and everybody could have been overwritten quite easily but he hasn't done that he hasn't thought because that would have been a very easy and lazy way to get humor but he knows that actually just humans being themselves is funny enough
2: yeah i don't think he's drawing from any kind of comedy influences no. he? he's drawing from real life, life and that's yes that's how the comedy goes to such unexpected places Mm. because you don't get any any kind of reprised old comedy routine show anything Mm. and even like things that seem a little bit lazy like when when I first watched it and the first few episodes I didn't like the whole invisible dogs thing Mm. I thought it kind of seemed a bit like just a sort of lazy surreal touch but Eventually, that pays off really well mm-hmm. at, the yeah. of the, at the end of the end of the series, yeah. and it's just having that that patience, isn't it? And I almost think of the series as as a film because when I start watching it, I usually watch it all, or mm. I watch it in two big chunks, yeah. and uh, and it does it does take away. I mean, when I when I first watched it. Like, like you do with any anything when you watch the first episode, you're not just responding to it as a comedy, you, you're trying to put it together. So it took a while to think, right, what is this and what's its kind of style and how's it going? And it was, I think it was the joke about the Google watermark yeah. was the first <laughs> bit where I, I really laughed out loud. <laughs> and, uh, and then as I got to, I think, like the first time around when I got to the third episode... I was really kind of settled into it and I knew, and I, I didn't know where it was going, but I knew what to expect of the kind of style. Mm. And then when you go back and watch it again with all that in place, as you say, that mm. first episode is really strong.
3: Mm. We haven't mentioned, we have mentioned Larry Bishop, but not enough of me because I thought <laughs> he was absolutely brilliant. And Tim, my housemate, said the same thing of, why Why has he not seen him in anything before he said he's just brilliant he absolutely <laughs> loves Larry Bishop and he's just the way he goes from being really quite menacing to just oh okay that's absolutely fine then and um, oh, I got taken off by the police you know and he's just he's wonderful he really gets a lot out of his part
0: yeah. I suppose if there could be a spin off of anything
3: yes yes <laughs> absolutely him and his dogs
2: I think one of the person who i haven't mentioned i think excels in quite subtle ways uh, lucy benjamin
3: yes i was just uh, about to mention Megs. <laughs> yeah
2: and she's because she's awful but not in a a really overt way mm. she said uh, she manipulates Lance in but not in a really overt way as well mm. everyone knows it's happening but you don't see it in the dialogue and things you just mm. see it in the way she treats him and and she's just, uh, she. I think she plays that really, she underplays it.
3: Yeah. And, and it's those little, so brilliantly written, that whole bit about her not remembering how he has his tea. Yeah. And it's little things like that, oh. that, God, you've, you've been married to the man. Yeah. You should know how he has his tea. Especially
2: when he asked that memorable line about tea without sugar is vegetable soup.
3: <laughs> yes. <laughs> 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 but oh, And when he closes the flipping shop and does the clothes sign so that his ex-wife can... Carry on with her shenanigans with her new boyfriend. It's it's just so tragic. It's just, oh, bless you. You're being so used. But she, you're right. She does it in a way that you don't hate her. Yeah, she's, she's really... Because I've only ever seen her in EastEnders years and years previous. Did
2: she ever used to watch Press Gang? She was oh, in Oh, yeah, that. was she in
3: that?
0: Oh. Well, that was ITV, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah that's where our first started.
3: Oh, Pressgram was brilliant. We should totally do that.
0: Before,
3: eh? <laughs> <laughs> oh no, I've recommended it now. Oh. <laughs>
0: oh, what not going to happen, with? not going to happen. <laughs> so, and as I promised, I mean, we do, it does seem like we're going through a list of the characters here, but as I promised, Diana Rigg. I, oh. She just brings, I mean, there's no authenticity needed, but she brings it anyway. Because yes. she's got it in bundles. Yeah. She has
3: got it in bundles. It's Diana Rigg. <laughs> and she's very authentic at being Rachel Sterling's mother because she is. She is, yeah. <laughs> exactly, yeah, yeah that, must have, elves.
0: that must have worked nicely. Oh, yeah. I like it on those things. I think there was something where Jennifer Saunders, that Josh sitcom on BBC mm. Three, yes. uh, Jennifer Saunders and her daughter yeah. d- worked together. and you, yeah. I always have this thing where they go, oh, hey, could you uh, phone your mum? <laughs> 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 see, see if she's free. And you wonder you wonder how that that goes about yeah, yeah. And that, like, you can't imagine they audition you go, you go oh, yeah jennifer Son's is your mum. all oh, right okay
3: well imagine if it, imagine it'd be <laughs> finty williams yes. then you've got judy dench as your mum. it's like you know yeah. so finty uh... mm.
0: yeah. <laughs> you know your mum. give her a call but yeah yeah and again as the series grow her character grows into being uh something of a joy and talking of joy and i think we've touched on it just about i mean, the soundtrack here um, it's quite something, isn't it? Oh, I mean, awesome. really, it's just it's, yeah, it's, it's It's this, it's only this, that guitar, the guitar sound. I mm. mean, you know, just to get into the nitty-gritty of this thing, just that guitar sound. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> lush.
3: It is lush, and it becomes a bit of a cue, I think, for yeah. when you sit down to watch it, and it starts and you just you, find, you feel your shoulders going down, like, oh, mm. there you go. Yeah. And you're right, you cannot watch one episode mm. if you've got access to more. I mean, if you're like me and end up having to watch one episode at a time of series three you're going crazy because it's like you have to wait each week (laughs) but um yeah being able to binge watch that first series i was like literally propping my eyelids open to watch (laughs) as many as i could and then i had to go to bed they fly past they really do and there's one tim and i watching and it got to the end and tim went hang on (laughs) did you skip it and i was like no (laughs) and it just went like the clappers but yeah on johnny flynn's voice oh my goodness and, and who was in it, which oh, was fantastic. Oh, yeah, I like that
2: they give him that little yeah, cameo. Yeah, I
3: love that too, because he is an actor. <laughs> I, didn't an actor well. I didn't know this.
2: I didn't know was. No, so he's, in, he's in the pub. He plays, he plays the song in the pub, oh. doesn't he?
3: That is actually him.
2: Oh, of course. Yes, <laughs> indeed.
3: And so. he is a very, very fine actor.
2: I mean, it's, it's rare for me, really, that I I feel that as relaxed as mm. when I'm watching this now. I mean, a lot of TV you watch, you relax because you enjoy it, but it can be sort of it's designed to keep you on the edge of your seat or things like that and mm. this isn't it it moves along at that that beautiful pace mm-hmm. and it's a really valuable thing to have something that completely relaxes you like that yeah okay. even in the sort of the more downbeat moments there's still hilarious things like probably my favorite joke of the whole first series is that you can't turn the tv on yeah. when <laughs> she leaves <laughs> Uh, really and i've been laugh. in that situation i've been i've slept over at my brother's house and then been up before <laughs> everyone else and thought i'll just watch some tv and not been able to make things come on the screen because there's too many different remotes
3: my sister's tv's the same she's got three remotes <laughs> and like four boxes and i'm like what the heck i just want to wa- watch anything just anything i just
0: i stood in a shop last week all in and ari about whether to buy a sound bar for our tv because mm-hmm. you know we got a Relatively cheap TV, but it's, it's, it's working, so we're never going to replace it while it's working. And the sound's a bit rubbish on it. And we like to watch a lot of music videos and things like that. So I thought, oh, a sound bar! And it was like half price. And I stood there, and had one thing gripped me: it's another blinking remote. Yes. Nope, no. <laughs> <Exactly>. nope. <laughs> You're Get wedged down the side of the sofa, and we'll never see it again. it will be trapped on really loud.
3: I just want to talk about tech, just a little bit more. Okay. Only just to say that another thing that makes it so quiet and and the pace lovely and everything else. Yes, they do have mobile phones, but they hardly use them. Mm-hmm. You see a computer once. So there isn't this tech-saturated world. It is very much a, a sort of analog world, which is so much nicer. And you know, even when he gets his little Power Rangers <laughs> detector, which is great, everything's just kind of just the basic or it just is a little noise. Nothing's really techy. The cars aren't techy. Mm. And it's just so nice to watch something that's not constant with people on smartphones.
2: There's a scene where because I thought that really nice touch where all these temp jobs resemble yes metal detecting. But there's a scene where does he have a trundle wheel? Yes, he does. Do they actually use them anymore? Or Um, do they? I would have thought by now they'd have some kind of measuring device that did it more.
3: I think they do. I think that was an old-fashioned way of doing it. So yeah, I think they've stuck with quite a lot of old tech. Yeah, and obviously. Lance's car is really old as well. Yeah. So, which is actually Mackenzie's car in real life. Oh, apparently. really? That
0: horrible? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, like T-R yeah, yeah. <laughs> of so the trundle wheel. Now, now it's funny because the producer of this program and I have used a trundle wheel. <laughs> when we, uh, we, we uh, for another podcast, we do a silly, silly program called Buried Treasure where we buried some money in the ground. Uh, we used that to measure where we'd put
3: it fantastic See, still being used still being
0: used
3: <laughs> <laughs> just talking about Mackenzie's own things being in the programme he's found gold himself he is a metal detector Yeah, and he has found gold he's a himself. detectorist he is a detectorist <laughs> <laughs> excellent uh, he's not a de- detectorist, <laughs> although he could well be but I like the idea that he's found gold yeah, because well, the chances are that they hardly ever do by the sound of it mm. but that's not what it's about it's a bit like fishing it's not really about finding anything it's the process
2: he owns his own little piece of woodland doesn't he, Does he? which he he bit. lets people use
3: still, but
0: he, he goes detecting that oh he's
3: so ace yeah.
0: <laughs> which had me and I haven't I haven't you know, I haven't got any, I got interrupted doing this happens a lot in RS. <laughs> <laughs> I'd listen to that did you listen to that on Richard Herring's he to Richard, L- Richard Herring. Herring's yeah. Rehel Esteper Rahel pur? <laughs> and uh, I think I finished listening to that podcast and I went down and I, I think I went past the side. Mm. No, it's, it's, it's here's what happened here's exactly what happened I was lying before I wish you could before. have seen that
3: everybody there's a little sort of um, flamenco Click clicky thing that happened then it wasn't just a noise it was a dance
0: yeah yeah, yeah. it's like a, it's my gold dance I found yeah. exactly
1: what happened here yeah,
0: I went past the sign I went past the sign drove past the sign that said woodland.com so you can buy woodland Ooh. and I remembered that podcast <laughs> it wasn't after listening. I remembered that podcast and so I thought well obviously I was driving at the time so I didn't you know? I'm not going to be looking to it right there I thought I'll do that when I get where I'm going I've completely forgotten about it I've just remembered now when we go to the pub after this, <laughs> remind me, because I genuinely You're gonna want going to buy some
3: wood. <laughs> yes, <Yeah>. yes.
0: <laughs> can't afford to buy a house. I'm going to find somewhere to pitch a tent. Why not? In a wood. The <laughs> midges. Um, right, okay, so the, the wrap-up and the end of this this particular series, we can only talk about series one now. Oh. I, find it, I find it difficult to believe that there are people listening to this that haven't gone straight on to series two mm-hmm. and three. One of my questions here, and I'm, I mean, what a... Blinking idiot for writing it, even. It says, yeah, I take it from here you continued to watch series two and three. (laughs) Of course you did. Yeah. (laughs) Of course you did. Right, okay. Yeah, before everyone else in the country. Oh, all right. Right, so (laughs) (laughs) now, obviously, this is only now run for three series, and that's it.
1: Yeah, <laughs>
0: and that is it. But there are I mean, there's a campaign. There's a petition started. A Ooh. petition started to bring it back. But I just think, well, you can't, you can't do that. No, you can't force no. someone to write something. <laughs> if, it, if it's not there, you know. I think people are saying, oh, all a Christmas special would be nice. It's that and the other. I think, well, I mean, we can't talk about how the ending of the series three wrapped up. Uh. But but it's not needed, is it? No, <laughs> I, I don't think Mackenzie no. Crook will,
2: will no. do it either. And Toby Jones always said he would only do another series if the scripts were right mm-hmm. and I, I think the the dedication to quality within the cast yeah. will mean that it, it won't come back. I mean mm-hmm. to be honest when I saw the first series and it hadn't been like a massive hit straight away and the, I did get that sort of thing like we talked about when we did Fleabag where I thought that is a, a perfect mm-hmm. series. I don't know if I want any more of them. I'm really glad they did yeah. more but I am kind of glad that they stopped now mm-hmm. because I think I, th- I don't want to see it decline in quality, mm. and I think those three series and the Christmas special, it's a perfect little package.
3: No, I totally agree with you.
0: Okay, right. Rating time. <coughs> Is it going to be a gold dance <laughs> or a year's subscription to Ringpool Monthly? <laughs> 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 um, well, yeah, so we're doing a gold dance, right? Oh, of course. <clears throat> <I'm-> <laughs> <laughs> The, which, which, uh, the, the spoiler gold dance is that flamenco style we're going to need to put some kind of YouTube video on. <laughs>
3: Castanets. So yeah. I can't click my fingers very well. Oh, that oh, not bad. bad. <laughs> That's good. Normally no, I can't Wait, do so it. You can't do it you've just done it. I know. I don't, I'm, I'm not normally able. I think it's the weather. It's the magic.
0: It's the gold dance magic of the flamenco dance. Right. Okay. Enough nonsense. Uh, we just need this time uh, to thank uh, Johnny, our producer. Rachel, of course. Um, I'm going to thank me as well. Why
3: not? Yeah, well, well, thank you, Paul. Thanks, Paul. Thanks, Paul. <laughs> <laughs> I think so too. All these seven series is the first I get. <laughs> really <Probably> bad now.
0: <laughs> and of course, you for listening and downloading in the numbers uh, that, that just keep on increasing. Thank you so much. And we'll leave you with the flamenco dancing. <laughs> Genial. Andy Goulding.
2: Beauty's only skin deep is a wise but ancient phrase we've heard so often repeated we've forgotten what it says. We have some other sayings about judging books by covers and the eye of the beholder and a half a dozen others. Through idiom and proverbs, simile and metaphor we've analysed this subject, why come up with any more? Ironically, however, as it's passed into cliché the power of this wisdom has lessened by decay. It's self an illustration of why metaphors are must since we've proved we're quite unable to look past the surface dust. And in a world that still persists to worship the cosmetic Our duty is to show beauties more than merely the aesthetic. In adding more analogies to those that some deem ample, we need a different angle to enhance our new example. We could do worse than look upon the proud detectorist, who digs a little deeper to uncover what they've missed. There's swathes of green and pleasant land laid out there for your pleasure, but get under the surface and that's where you'll find the treasure.
1: Just a poor boy, though my story seldom told. I squandered my resistance. For a pocket full of mumbles, such are promises.
0: You've been listening to Spoiler, hosted by me, Paul Tyler, with Andy Goulding and Rachel Bennett Our theme music was composed by Ron Butcher. Mm-hmm. If you've enjoyed the show, please do tell your friends about us, share links to our show, or write us a nice review on iTunes.
1: <laughs>
0: Next time on Spoiler, we're watching the 2015 indie science fiction thriller, Ex Machina. Is it strange
1: to have made something that hates
0: you? If you'd like to contact us, you can email hello at spoilerpodcast.co.uk. Find us on Twitter or Facebook, or go to our website, spoilerpodcast.co.uk. Spoiler is produced by Johnny Hall and is a Joe Schmo production. The show is recorded at the studios of Siren Radio in the heart of the beautiful cathedral city of London.
3: What you got?
0: Nothing.